0: Welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks LifeCast, a show about self-discovery and vibrating higher in every area of your life. Each week, I'll have conversations with some of my favorite people who are soaring over life's challenges. They'll share their struggles, but more importantly, the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Keisha Whitaker, Entrepreneur and transformational speaker. Let's get ready to soar! Hey, everyone! Welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks Lifecast, a lifecast about self-discovery and vibrating higher in every area of your life. And I am celebrating Black excellence everywhere I can find it today. I have two ladies who are near and dear to me, joining me on the show, and they are phenomenal women. Both sisters, they both have their PhDs, they have graduated from HBCUs, they're doing amazing things in their careers. And doctors Sonia and Yvonne Johnson are here to talk about two books that they've written that are really geared toward Black history and sharing our history and knowing and honoring our hidden her- our unsung and hidden heroes that have been around for centuries. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Sonia and Yvonne Johnson, who uh, both are educators, attended Clark University, Clark Atlanta University, excuse me. They're both members of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, and they are just two awesome, awesome women. Hello, ladies. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Sonia, welcome back to the podcast. So wonderful to have you back with us. I told you, Sonia was a part of our season one finale with me and my sister circle. She is a member of the sister circle. And I had to have her back because she is phenomenal in telling stories about black history and black excellence. And there was no better duo that I thought I should have on than Sonia and Yvonne. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having
0: us. Yes, yes. You all have written a couple of books and have done so much in the education space, but I want to take a time for the audience to really get to know you a little bit. So we know that you're sisters and you all have had this set similar trajectory in your life. And I wanted to really highlight that. But also, what is the age difference between you two?
1: We're eight years apart.
0: Wow. I could have sworn (laughs) that you guys were like a year or two apart because I was like, you all went to the same colleges. You have the same background, education, sorority life, like every step of the way, you guys have done the same thing. So I can see that Sonya has really emulated her big sister.
2: (laughs) And it's odd that you mentioned that because for um, the longest people thought we were twins. So, you know, and it didn't help when we were uh, younger. Of course, you know, you could see the age different more. And my mama still with dress us alike. So, uh, <laughs> <it's> definitely not <laughs> twin. Well, yeah,
0: I have known you, Sonia for many years and met your sister, of course, through all of our uh, gatherings and things that we've done. So, we've all become much closer over the years. And I have had, you know, an immense joy in knowing you both and getting to know your family and Everything that you guys are doing is extremely, extremely phenomenal and inspiring in and of yourselves. I consider you two history makers. Oh, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> Vaughn, tell me a little bit about what you do in education and what your background is.
1: Um, my background, well, actually, I was a history major in college, but I ended up with special ed. So I worked with uh, several schools, local school district, um, and worked with their special ed population.
2: Okay. And Sonia, what about you? Uh, My background was chemistry,
1: so I'm a science
2: nerd. So with my professional life, I'm the assistant principal with the um, local education um, system. Okay.
0: Yes. So in education and then these books that you've written are very key to for students or for anyone for that matter. But I know one is a children's book and then one is a fiction novel. So let's start out talking about The Ride of Pride. You ladies are both co-authors of a book called The Ride of Pride, which really highlights the inventors and and people in history who've done amazing things and that we don't even know about. So tell
2: us a little bit about the of Pride. The of Pride basically is a, a story about a young man who basically did not want to do his homework assignment and any parent can probably tell you they know this story probably too well. So um, he basically didn't want to do the assignment that was uh, given to him. So his parents try to figure out a way to make the assignment or the homework assignment fun and interactive. So they just decide to take him on a ride throughout the city to point out different African-American inventions that were invented by African-Americans such as us, like us. So um, they take him on a ride of pride. So, It's um, very interesting for you to learn the things we come into contact every day in our houses, outside of our house, at work, et cetera, that were invented by African-Americans. A lot of people, once they read the book, they really don't know about. The reason why we want to write the book is because with my students, when I was teaching middle school, I would have them to create um, inventions or if they could make a model of an invention that they researched.
1: And unknowing to me, I used to be a instructional resource teacher. So during Black History Month I would ask my students to research different black inventors and also either draw or make the invention and we would post it outside our classroom. So I was doing that for several years, unknowing that Sonia was having her students uh create their own inventions.
0: So when did you all decide to write the book and who are some of the characters or the main uh, stories or inventors that you've highlighted?
1: Um, We decided to write the book just by through a conversation with our father. He was like, we need to share this information with others. So we decided to write a book and he decided to be the illustrator. And so that was the first edition was in 2007
2: yeah and then we actually relaunched it in was it 2000?
1: 2017
2: yeah so we redid the cover as more inventions etc so some of the inv- inventors we talk about john burr the inventor of the lawnmower More, <laughs> much on the book um <laughs> yeah. uh, brown who invented the um Security camera. And what interesting about her story is that she worked in the healthcare field, and she would have to work late shifts. So she was feeling unsafe um, coming home at night. So her husband was an electrician. So they got together and used a television to create a security system so she could be able to feel safe when she was coming home. So it's just different things that like that that people don't realize. You know, the golf tee. The uh, potato chips, which was invented by George Crumb. And the reason why he invented potato chips because he was getting mad because he was a cook at the Sarasoga Cafe. And he was getting mad because they complained about the potatoes not being thin enough. So he sliced them really, really thin and created the potato chip. So there's different stories about how different inventions came about a lot of times there because we want to uh, find a way to make things easier. The refrigerator, the uh, dust pan, or we want to um, figure out a way to improve things. So it just gives us a way to look at things that we touch every day. When we look about the super soaker, a lot of people talk about Lonnie Johnson, but he used to work in Knott's So he make, made the super soaker. Of course, he sold the invention, but it's just different things like that that we encounter every day
1: that we don't realize that someone that looks like us made it. And also the ride of pride emphasized on parent involvement. So the parents decide to take an active role in trying to encourage their son to do their homework. So it's it's teaching... About black kids, I mean, black inventors, but also parent involvement as well.
0: And I love that, too, because when he went through because at first he wasn't interested in doing his homework. He was kind of bored at school. And then it goes into his dad said, let me figure out how to infuse some things. And taking that everyday stuff from the ironing board to, like you said, the fire hydrant the uh, mop, the, the broom, the dust plant. And, you know, the necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. And I don't know if um, one of the previous episodes I interviewed Karen Parsons, who was Hillary Banks of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. And we talked about a lot of those things that, you know, even during slavery, they didn't give them the tools they needed to do the job. They had to be creative and inventive mm-hmm. to do the backbreaking work that they had to do. And so I think it's so important that he the character in the book began to take an interest because his father was showing him in every step of the way. There was someone that looked like him that created all the things that are around us today. Yes. And one thing that you said that was interesting that we talked about a little earlier was a lot of times because a lot of the inventions that you mentioned in the book were actually post-slavery so maybe late uh, 1800s and things of that nature so do you think that possibly uh during slavery that there were inventions by black people but their slave owners may have just taken credit for those things
2: most definitely um I know a lot of times that we weren't allowed to have rights or we weren't allowed to even uh, obtain or apply for patents. I know one story that's really made a lot of news lately was the Uncle Nearest story. We know Uncle Nearest had a, a tie with Jack Daniels, so it was discovered that he was actually the one that created the recipe for Jack Daniels. So now his family are fighting like, this is ours, we can have our own, and he was the one who taught him the way. So there are plenty of stories that we, that we know and only reason we'll probably find out about is because their family members are going to share the uh, stories because of course they couldn't apply for patents they couldn't get the uh be able to get the namesakes or the things they invented but they probably have documents that were written or family histories or stories that are passed on and that's the only way they're going to get that that just do justice to for them to be able to claim what what is rightly theirs
0: yeah, I feel like there's so much of that gl- history that is glossed over that we don't get the credit for, and so your book really does highlight and emphasize some of the some of those things. And then it's a family affair; like your dad is the illustrator, you're the co-authors. I love that it's a family story. It's something that not only kids can learn from, but adults can learn from, because there was a lot of things that I learned from reading the book. So I just want to thank you ladies and applaud you for stepping up and doing that. What made you decide to step into that arena and say, I want to be an author and where has it taken you since?
1: So for me, it wasn't necessarily having a desire to become an author, but just wanting to tell the stories. I know they may sound rich. Uh, weird, but that was my main purpose—just sharing information. Because, um, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of information is being lost in the history books. So, unless we research our own history, it's a lot of information we do not know about. So, I just want to share information and, and tell different stories.
2: And and for me, it's more so to leave a legacy. So to have something that to can say that was ours, even once we're long and gone. Um, but in kind of adding to, add to the, what Yvonne just said, you'll be surprised how many conversations I have with people where they don't want to share our history with their mm-hmm. children. You know, and I, I find it disheartening. I know you know we don't want to have Black History much just to be sent around slavery. And um, what they call the struggles tales. Mm -hmm. But we do need to have some way to make us say, okay, this is history. This is what happened. But this is also what we should be proud of, the contributions we have given to society that we use every day that people don't acknowledge. And it it makes me think about a a video I've seen on social media that was like, what would be a day in the life without African-American inventions? And to think about, you couldn't even get in your car because you wouldn't have parts to your motor. You wouldn't even be able to keep your food because the refrigerator wouldn't even be active. You will not even be able to drive because you want not have traffic lights. So I'm thinking spark plug. I'm sorry, the spark yes. plug. So yes. it's different things that we have or we use every day. You wouldn't have shoes because the shoe lasting machine wouldn't have been invented. So different things we in, have every day. So if you want to say take away everything African-American contributed to society, go ahead and see how far you get.
0: Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> so it's amazing to me that we are really not aware of our history. But again, if you go back and a lot of history books gloss over the truth, Yes, they gloss over what really happened and they frame it in a way to make it not seem as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. And so our kids and even us growing up didn't get a true depiction of what that time was like or even... As Yvonne said, we were speaking earlier, as it relates to coronavirus today, the Spanish flu was something of that time frame. Yvonne, did you want to speak
1: on that? Yes. So when coronavirus started, they started talking about the Spanish flu. But prior to that, I didn't know anything about the Spanish flu. So I researched the Spanish flu and some of the events are parallel to the coronavirus. They also had no maskers. They opened up too soon. The president at that time also caught the Spanish flu. And I was under the assumption the Spanish flu was because it started in Spain. But Spain, is, uh, Spain was the first country who told about the virus. The Americans didn't didn't want to tell about the virus because they wanted to continue fighting the war. So I thought that was interest, just the se- several parallels and how history re- repeats itself. So I was mainly looking at the research. Okay, they endured the Spanish flu for two years and two months. So how long do we have with COVID-19? Yes, yes. <laughs> and they didn't have vaccines. They use gauze as masks. I thought that was weird. You know, they would just wrap them around them as a mask.
0: Oh, so they were looking like mommies walking around. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think, again, necessity being the mother of invention and mm-hmm. those things that we had to really think of, like history repeating itself, as you said, I, I would have, you know, a lot of us didn't know, you know, we went as far back, I think, as the yellow fever epidemic here mm-hmm. in Memphis where we live. So we knew we knew about that. But absolutely, hopefully we don't go more than, you know, two years. We coming up on it, you know, so, so hopefully we don't go, you know, too much longer and then we can open back up and then we can get kind of back to normal because I miss you guys. I want to hug you and all that. <laughs> stuff. And then, um, you know, I, I just think about how things have changed so much and how, we've, you know, what what was the way that they had to adapt versus how we were having to adapt and then, you know, they didn't have the technology that, that we that we have now so no. yeah absolutely absolutely
2: and then and let's kind of piggyback on you talking about technology. Even during these times, I know people definitely, because I do miss my friends, I do miss going out, but this has allowed I me an opportunity also to slow down. But I think this also, just piggyback on families, I think this allowed an opportunity for families to be closer to their uh, each other. Um, I've noticed even with my parents, a lot of them are becoming more involved with their schoolwork because they really didn't have an understanding or a clue what their students were doing while they were at school. So them being at home, they can be like, oh, okay, I see you're playing around. Why are you not why is your camera not on? Why are you not being engaged? Or what do I need to do because I don't want my child to fall behind? Or they're being more one-on-one with their students. I We had a spelling bee the other day where the parents like, you better spell that word right, boy. You know, so <laughs> it was fun at the time, but you know, and honesty, in, in another situation would they even been able to come to the spelling bee to support their child. So I, I see the negative, but I also see the positive and, and we're looking at parents becoming more engaged, parents doing more things at home, parents being more involved with their students and and just having more family time. So kind of picking back on what our book is about is parents being able to get more involved with what their students are doing at home and then their education and their personal lives. Because the story is based on Jaden. Jaden wanted to play basketball. He wasn't bothered about his homework assignment. So he, his dad's like, you know, now we got to figure out the way to make this engaging and interactive and make him want to do it on his own.
0: I do think that's an excellent uh, point as far as bringing families together. The technology has allowed parents to be more engaged, more active, and more in tune to what their kids are doing. So that's a great segue into talking about Yvonne's new uh, book as well. Yvonne, you have a, a book that you've written called Manifested Dreams. Tell us what that's all about.
1: So Manifested Dreams is about a family that discovers their history dating back to 150 years. So what inspired me to write this story is oddly enough, I'm not talking about The Underground, but I was watching The Underground, which was my favorite show a while ago. I know they started showing it again, but back then it was my favorite show and they did a whole show on the little boy's perspective of life during that time. So when I started writing, I first wanted to write it as a children's book, but I addressed uh, the Memphis Massacre, the Red Summer, uh, when uh, enslaved people in Tennessee were free, And that wasn't until 1864. And we were under the impression, OK, the Emancipation Proclamation freed all the, all the enslaved people. Which is not true. So Tennessee wasn't Tennessee enslaved people weren't free until eighteen sixty four. And what was life like that since then? So reason why I titled it manifested dreams because the first character that they found was an enslaved girl named Sally, and she used to dream about what would my life be like if I can live like, you know, their master and Miss Jane. So she wasn't able to see it, but it was manifested through her children years on down the line. So I just want to highlight several historical events but from that per- the character's perspective. So all the historical events are true. And the appendix, like certain things that are more recent, I changed the character's name, but I did reference them in the appendix. And I just wanted people to know the history, you know, some of the historical facts, like you said, we don't really talk about.
0: And I noticed it was told through the story of a family and kind of their history as well, traveling through the years and history of itself. And to really go back 150 years is rare for African-Americans to be able to trace their lineage Mm-hmm. And and that sort of thing. And I think I know as recent as 2007, when I, I moved back to Memphis, I began to start doing some genealogy with my family and was able to go back as far as um, maybe my grandparents, parents mm-hmm. on both sides. So, you know, to find out, oh, there was, you know, uh, there is someone in our family. That they, they say this, you know, there's my grand, my great grandfather's Father, you know, uh, was a white man, and they try to—they don't know who he was. I'm like, come on, y'all know. <laughs> but, but again, they may not know, so okay. it's hard to really, you know, trace those things. But to hear those stories, and then to hear firsthand from some of my great aunts and uncles mm-hmm. about them growing up, about their parents, and the only thing I regret not doing. Was really tracing back uh, or getting video of them talking yeah. or audio of them speaking and telling the stories because that's another great form of storytelling that African Americans was. It was an oral tradition for us because we, you know, most couldn't read and write them yeah. going that far back. So having the oral tradition is so important for us too. Uh, do you all plan to any other books in the future or things that you have going on?
2: about a couple of books but my, my thoughts about my books might not be <laughs> the best one so I'm, i've been back and forth with that idea so i kind of want to do like a fake fiction book based on a lot of uh, events that have happened in my life um just to kind of be like not even really um just a story into my life but kind of like a a a way of being like an active diary, if that makes sense, just to kind of get my story out and just have a way of like some type of way, like not say therapy, but just a way to me to release a lot of things that I've kept inside for some years. So I thought about that, but I don't, you know, I want my parents to also be able to read the book as well. So I just don't <laughs> know how that's going to look. So, yeah.
1: What about you, Bob? Um, I had an idea about a religious, well, I actually had two two ideas. One was about a religious book, but the title, I don't think people would understand my title. So uh, I'll put that on hold. It wasn't anything anti-Christ. It was just, you know, just being the true feeling of how sometimes Christians do feel that people kind of shun. Oh, you shouldn't think like that or, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. But uh, like I said, I'll, I'll table that one. And maybe another children's book that focuses on multicultural things.
0: Well, I want to encourage both of you to write everything that you want to write because that is the part of being a creative. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody may not get it, but. I'm telling you somebody somewhere and you will not believe how many people will get it and will be into what you're writing about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if Stephen King can write about what he writes about, it, you <laughs> know, I'll, I, I'm I'm all for it. You know, mm-hmm. I want to get back into writing too. My first love was to be a novelist. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take some tips from you all. Any matter of fact, any tips for budding writers and people who want to get more into storytelling particularly around black history or history in general one
2: tip that and we've had to learn this the hard way is keep pushing um there especially like we like i said this is like our second edition of the book so when we first put the book out um we had relatives They're like oh that's cute okay <laughs> and you know we're pushing we're trying you know we're like you know can you support us can you buy a book at least tell people you know we have relatives to have five six seven eight kids still you know didn't purchase a book so but it was interesting because um, it's, it's it's interesting how Memphis is connected one of your previous um, uh, participants Kanji Anthony actually um, we were on one of her news segments um, she was our first news interview when we talked about the book so after we were on the news, everybody like, "Oh, you have a book? Okay, we're gonna share." i like, "This the same book."
1: Ten years. Ten, later. ten years <laughs>
2: later. So what's different? So now we're on the news. Now you remember the book. So just don't be discouraged. Keep pushing. Don't let people be critics. I mean, don't listen to those critics or those people around you who discourage you. Because a lot of the, a lot of people who really have been supportive of us. Are been people we've never met before, people we never know. I mean, our uh, sorority sisters, friends, family members, people just surrounding us, and it's just amazing. Like we've been supported by people that's not even close to us or we don't you know. So don't let people discourage you for you what you want to do because someone's going to support you. Someone's going to buy, even if they don't buy, just a share is a help because that's the one thing that people don't realize. If you just share my information. Somebody's gonna be interested. So that's one thing. Just push, um, Yvonne was pushing for us. Like, she was like, I'm about to hit all the newspapers. I'm gonna hit the television stations. I'm gonna hit, you know, we were being featured in Jackson, Mississippi. We were interviewed by two news stations here in Memphis. So, we were being asked to come out to speak at different events and bookstores. So even if we sell one book or 30 or 50, it's still a sale. And that's an excitement because we feel like now a new child or a new person is
1: learning something they never know before. So that's that's something I had to get over because as Sonia stated earlier, in 2007, when we first released the book, I was all in my feelings because I assume people who are supposed to be close to me, like she said, you have all the cheering. <laughs> why, why don't you buy at least one book And I had to get over myself And one person actually encouraged me And after that, like Sonia said I was like, I'm just Because I hated rejection And they was like, you're going to get rejected But you got to keep pushing So ever since then, that's what I've been doing I've gotten a little down about the uh, manifested dreams But I say I'm not going to let this stop me Because you're going to have your highs and lows but another suggestion is we did a publishing company with the ride of pride and with mine, I did self publishing and you see more profits with self publishing because you know how many books you sell. You can look that information up and with the ride of pride, we we're like, okay, I, several people claim they bought our book while well, I don't see any money. Yeah. So it's it's best to to really, my personal opinion, it's best to do your own publishing. You just have to seek out an illustrator, seek out an editor. You may have to format it with my situation. My uh, cover, the person who created my cover was not from America. And I love the cover he created first because it really coincided with what the book was about. But I was like, that's Kitchen Knight pull-up. I can't put her on my book saying she my cousin. He said i don't know what you talk about i said that's rudy take her off <laughs> I, had to, I had to totally changed everything because then i noticed some another celebrity and i was like never mind This is just too much back and forth so i just picked the simple you can't pick anybody with that uh cover yeah. so
0: you're absolutely right about every point that you made everybody even those closest to you would will not support you And you would be surprised. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making my business to support those that are closest to me, mm-hmm. especially authors, because I'm a writer and I, I'm a lover of books. I, for the record, did purchase both books. Thank wow. well. <laughs> you. <Yes. laughs> so I definitely want to support as much mm-hmm. as possible, and gonna um show you guys again. You can get Ride of Pride and Manifested Dreams on Amazon. All of their information will be in the show description. So please, please go out and get these two books that. By two black authors that are telling stories that are not only a value from a historic perspective, but educating us all in ways that, you know, we really need right now because the truth is so hidden that we have to dig for it and we have to want to know the truth and get to the bottom of it, not believe what just is told to us, but go out and really scratch the surface and dig as as far as we can to know what it was really like. And I think uh, I'm going back to look at the Library of Congress has a lot of slave narratives Mm -hmm. on uh, file that you can go back and hear or read in their own words what it was like to be a slave, to see the images of their backs beaten and and scarred and, you know, just that stuff sits with me to this day, like to see that and to know that. And when I studied the middle passage, like that changed my life. It literally changed my life in college to study the middle passage and know that people who look like me are sitting bones or sitting at the bottom of the ocean or their lives are in unmarked graves somewhere right now and their lives were just beyond hard.
1: People should look at it, we're ancestors of survivors. So there's yes. nothing to be ashamed of that. So we survived all of that and we're still here. So how can you not try to be great or do the best that you can, you know? Right, you and know? I
0: tell people that all the time. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, we made it, like somebody in our lineage mm-hmm. made it on their voyage. Then another one made it through slavery. Mm -hmm. Then another one made it through, you know, the next generation and the next issue. And I mean, that seed has made it to us. Yes. Who are we not, like you said, to be great and to inspire greatness in each other? Mm -hmm. So, ladies, I want to thank you for inspiring greatness Mm -hmm. in us all and leaving a legacy now. (laughs) Amen. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. And thank you for having us. If you are interested, like I said, please visit Amazon to check out their books. Until then, keep soaring. Thanks for listening to the succeeding over all roadblocks LifeCast. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SOAR LifeCast for more tips and motivation. You can also email questions. To soar lifecast at gmail.com. Be sure to catch new episodes every week and leave a review of the show. Until then, keep soaring!